evening. Welcome to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm your host of the program. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a nurse continence advisor. I'm a researcher. I blog. I blog for my own website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. I also blog for v-love.co and for the Huffington Post. You might think I'm busy, but not as busy as the physician who's going to be joining me on the program to talk about the leading cancer amongst Canadian men. That's Dr. Peter Black. He's a urologist, a senior research scientist at the Vancouver Prostate Center. He is an active staff member at VGH, UBC Hospital, St. Paul's, Mount Sinai, St. Joseph's Hospital Consultant, the BC Cancer Agency. So you want to stay tuned because he's going to be joining me at 8.15 and we're going to be talking about a new report about treatment for prostate cancer and how there are discrepancies across Canada. I'm also going to be talking about, since it's Movember, I've dedicated a bit of my program subjects to the men. I love men, don't get me wrong. And I, and, but sometimes, you know, there are some things, there's some research out there that demonstrates that men need a little bit more help than perhaps they are getting. And one of the studies that I read recently was about suicide rates that are highest for men in their 50s, and we're not sure why. I'm going to weigh in on that a little bit tonight and talk to you about some of the reasons that I feel, based on patients that I see and based on what I know and what I hear from couples, as to perhaps why the suicide rates for men increase in their 50s. I'm also going to be talking about sex degrees of separation, Did you ever wonder how many sexual partners you've actually been exposed to indirectly? I had a patient in my office, and he was in a sexless relationship, and so he sought sex from prostitutes. But he figured since he paid $300 an hour, his risk of a sexually transmitted infection was reduced. I did a little math for him, and it turns out that it was an underestimation. So tonight... I'm going to talk to you about that calculator, and and you can plug your numbers in, and you'll be able to find out just how many people you've slept with. It's not all that bad tonight. It's all not all negative. <laughs> Sounds that way, but it's not. I'm actually an optimist. Um, so at the end of the program, I'm going to talk to you about the importance of your circadian rhythm to the rhythm of your sex life, and candlelight may improve that for you. And in fact, it may improve everything for you from your waistline to your sleep patterns, your mood, and ultimately your sex life. Because when you're thinner, well-rested, happier, you want to have sex more. And if you're being treated well as well, because that's an important aspect of it. I I spoke yesterday at the Nurses Across Cancer Care Continuum event at the Fairmont Hotel waterfront. And a couple of the women came up to me afterward and they said, some of the things that you talked about hit home for me. And they had been in abusive relationships with men. It's not to say that, it, that women don't abuse men either, but if men treat women poorly, the woman in your life is not going to want to have sex with you. And if she does, she's just doing it out of obligation and she really doesn't want to be there. And is that what you want? So I say get the help that you need. That's what I'm trying to do here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. 
And basically what I try and do each week, why not improve yourself? Why not look at yourself, have some insight, take an inventory? Why not treat others well? Why not try to treat others well? It's going to impact your sex life. Anyway, on to the ladies, but men are welcome too. My threesome, of course, (laughs) hot flash in the city. It's an evening of menopausal proportions. I'm having three of them. One is at, in West Vancouver at the K-Meek Theater. It's on November 17th from 6 to 9.30 p.m. It's a great networking event. Dr. Anjali Malhotra and Dr. John Weisler are both going to be there. Anjali Malhotra is a women's health specialist. She's also a menopause specialist. Menopause is like one moment in time. This event is for women who are in the perimenopausal years, which is age 37, and there's nothing abnormal about going into perimenopause at age 37. That's what we see. But you may not go in at age 37. It may be a little bit later, like 40, 45. But some people try to make this exclusive because they maybe feel like they had early menopause. That's not the definition of early menopause. The menopause is when you have not had a period for one year, and then post-menopause is after. So this event will benefit anybody during that midlife transition, that normal time of life. And men are invited, too, because men, you need the help. So that's that one is November 17th, and we're going to be talking about erectile dysfunction, things you can do. There's something brand new for premature ejaculation, and I'm going to have some samples there, I hope. I'll at least have the name of it. It's brand new to Canada. And... Um, I also then on the 18th, I'm out at Coquitlam with, and I'll be in West Vancouver as well. I'll be attending all the entire threesome <laughs> the whole time. Um, and then I'm going out to Coquitlam on November 18th, which is the Wednesday night, Wednesday night at the Evergreen Cultural Center. Catching up with Kathy is the MC out there, and I'll be out there. I'll be talking as well again about perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, relationships, erectile dysfunction, the whole thing. All of the subject matters are the same. And then on the 19th, the pinnacle, the climax, uh, Linda Steele from here. Of course, you know her from Steel Talks, uh, is joining me as the MC, and Dr. Malhotra will be there as well on the 19th. So do come out. Uh, I'm going to be talking about hot flashes, night sweats, bladder health, vaginal health, painful sex, low libido, really common during this time of life. Estrogen, there's so much confusion around estrogen. There's lots of sponsors there, lots of partners, and it's going to be a great networking event. So do come on out. I do have a couple of tickets to give away. Give me a call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The tickets are $30. They're on Eventbrite. You can win some if you give me a call and talk to me. Um, You don't even have to tell me why you want to go. But uh, just give me a call. And the ticket, oh, yes, I was saying, the tickets are on Eventbrite. Search Hot Flash in the City and... um, then you can purchase your tickets if you like, and that would be fantastic. I do want to give a shout-out to Mike Given, my technical producer. I feel terrible for the last two weeks. I have not thanked him for the great work that he's done, and this show would be nothing without him. And you can imagine, when I give away vibrators, and he's got to answer the 77 phone calls that we get, and he's got to... (laughs) Uh, wield all that and uh, anyway so thank you Mike so much you do a great job and I appreciate your help with the music and answering the calls and everything so uh, so I have Kim on the line hello Kim hello Kim hello there how are you I'm fine how are you doing I'm very well thank you awesome great I 
phone to see about getting tickets to the Coquitlam show. Fantastic. You got them. Perfect. So I have two? You have two. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Look forward to meeting you. If you can email me, just email me your um, just email me your name, sextalk at cknw.com, and then I'll, I'll register you and you'll get an email. Okay, so I don't have to come downtown to get them? No. Oh, you're even better. Thank you so much. One of my... I, 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 Make life easy on yourself. That's one of my mottos. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it costs a lot of money, but no. No, that no, that's awesome, and I love your show. Oh. I've learned so much thing, so much from it. Oh well, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Yeah, you go. So I look forward to meeting you. Oh, great. Me too. All right. Thanks for the call. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. So there's the one set is gone but you know what uh paul is uh i like threesomes <laughs> no <laughs> paul is on the line too Hello. Hi, hey paul how are you good oh good so you'd like some tickets to the show yes please. i'm so glad that uh a guy wants tickets <laughs> do you want two uh sure that's fantastic okay so did you hear the instruction just email me sex talk at cknw.com and then I'll, I'll register you and you'll get an email okay wonderful we'll see you in west van Thank you. Look forward to meeting Bye-bye. you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. But goodbye now. So I guess there's just one set left for uh, Vancouver. If somebody would like to win those, I'm more than happy to give those out. But uh, we're going to shift things a little bit, and we're going to head downward and down there. We're just going to go below the belt just a bit. We're going to be talking about prostate cancer and the results of a new report across Canada. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. It's great advice from Ricky Nelson from way back when. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Since it's November, we're focusing a little bit below the belt, and uh, we're going to be talking about prostate cancer, and I'm, I'm honored to have joining me on the line Dr. Peter Black. He he and I work together on Bladder Cancer Canada. We see some of the same patients. He's a senior research scientist at the Vancouver Prostate Center, associate professor at the Department of Uro- Urological Sciences, University of British Columbia. He's an active staff member at VGH, UBC, St. Paul's, Mount St. Joe's, and he also consults at the BC Cancer Agency, and he is a Canadian Urological Association scholar and an American urolo- and a former American Urological Association scholar. Hello, Dr. Black. Hi, Maureen. How are you? The mouthful. (laughs) You make me look like I get nothing done, and I. I think I think our time spot's over. (laughs) I I had to give it all because it's so great to have you on the air. And if somebody has a question for Dr. Peter Black, one of the top urologists probably in the world, um, you can give us a call at six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. We'll wait for the free tickets for the menopause event till the second part of the show. I, I want to talk to you, and thank you so much for joining me. I want to talk to you about this uh, new report, the Prostate Cancer Control in Canada, a system performance spotlight report, which had some surprising results um, and surprising results. Uh, information around, especially around early prostate cancer and some of the treatment options? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's uh, surprising or not. I think uh, I think the urologists would look at the numbers and say that they're actually pretty good. For uh, So the, the big the thing that came across as a surprise is that there are differences between the different provinces on how often men with low-risk prostate cancer are being treated as opposed to just being watched. That's right. And why do you think that is? So watchful waiting is what we're talking about, or active surveillance. Active and it, surveillance. Yes, yeah. it's been realized that you can just watch these through 
PSA blood tests and biopsies and rectal exams, and they may not advance to uh, significant disease in some men, and therefore they won't have the negative side effects like urinary incontinence, erectile dysfunction, anxiety, and depression. But some British Columbia didn't fare as well as some of the eastern provinces. <laughs> With you here, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if you can interpret it that way. I think uh, you know there are a lot of reasons why the numbers can be different, just for administrative reasons, how the how the numbers are captured and how they're entered. Um, for example, the report uh, indicates that they only capture patients in BC if they've been referred to the cancer agency, and so a lot of patients aren't necessarily referred there. That's right. Um, they don't have the Gleason score and the PSA, which are both important risk factors in determining whether a patient has low-risk disease or not. So it's really hard to, to make too much out of the numbers. I think the, the bottom line is that more than half of patients across the country are getting active surveillance for low-risk disease, and that's much better than most other places, especially south of the border, um, where they're only starting to figure out that, uh, that these patients should not be treated. Okay. Um, I have a, a gentleman on the line, Steve. He has a related question for you. Is that okay? Sure. All right. Well, Hello. Good, e- good evening. Hello, it's Steve. Kind of, you have a question for the doctor? Of, it's kind of related, but not really related. We're talking about below the belt. Um, I have terminal cancer, um, squamous cell carcinoma, throat, mouth, apparently caused by HPV. That's what the doctors have told me at the cancer clinic. Now, I'd like to know, is that transferable when I'm kissing or having oral sex with my wife or, uh, you know, somebody else? Is that transferable? It's a bizarre question, I know. but Are you asking if the cancer is transferable? I'm asking if the cancer is transferable. Dr. Black? So the cancer, we would not say is transferable, but the virus certainly is. And, you know, you've you got the virus from somewhere... The thing is, yeah, uh, the, a long the, time it, ago, obviously, yeah, yeah. It, HPV is is everywhere. A lot of people have had HPV, and it increases the risk. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have cancer, but in in women, certainly, um, cervical cancer, vulvar cancer, and in men, penile cancer are also related to HPV. So, yes, you you can certainly transfer the virus, um, but not necessarily cancer. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah, thanks. Okay, and I wish you all the best of luck. Um, so back to the prostate. Um, so uh, oftentimes I see patients, Dr. Black, and they will say to me they were not warned of the side effects, the potential side effects. Now, they may not necessarily have had early-stage disease, but they are very surprised at the leakage of urine or the bladder issues and or the erection issues and, the, and how severe they may be. Yeah. And I know that the doctors, because I know the doctors, I know all of you. And why do you think that is? Do you think the patients are so stressed they don't hear it? I think so. I mean, I, I think it's it's one of the major challenges we have is, is educating patients. And, uh, you know, I think that I take a lot of time to tell a, new, a patient with a new diagnosis of prostate cancer what the pros and cons are of the different treatment options. But I still have the patient come back and say, oh, I didn't know I could lose erections with surgery. And um, so there's there's so much information to take up that it's hard to absorb it all. I think uh, it requires reinforcing. It requires reading. Um, at the Prostate Center, we offer uh, special information sessions for patients and their spouses to hear about uh, what's involved with treatment. But if it, if it's all based on one short office visit, then a lot of information is going to be lost. 
Absolutely. And I, and I think there's a little bit of that will never happen to me. Yeah. And then they are quite surprised yeah. that it does happen to them. And something else is that, and I think it's pretty routine now, the doctors are prescribing after uh, prostate surgery, uh, they are prescribing the PDE5 inhibitors, so the sildenafils, the Viagras, the Levitras, Cialis. Yeah. But uh, often men will say, well, I never started that because I, they told me I couldn't have an erection. So why did I need to take it? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, you got the prescription. You didn't take it, and yeah. now it's seven weeks later. <laughs> it's I mean it's easy to uh, to get confused again. That uh, you know it may not make a lot of sense without a good explanation. And what's the and good explanation, it, if you wouldn't mind? So that well, the the thinking is if if you do things to uh, encourage the recovery of erections, then recovery will be better later on down the line, even if taking the pills doesn't immediately cause an erection. So it sort of keeps the the tissue and the penis um, happy and, and ready to go when it's needed. Because of the increased blood flow, the vasodilation and the increased blood yeah. flow and the nerves yeah. that will... Um... And the, the, the smooth muscle cells that, that control things a little bit, they're, they're kept happy. The, the evidence for it is not great. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of patients can't afford to take uh, one of these medications after surgery. And I would tell oh. them that they, they're not missing out on that much. Um, it's not, not supported by a lot of evidence. Okay. And so what percentage would you say that does take the medication? Is it is it difficult to uh, to say actually or, receives benefit from it? Um, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Probably not that many. Not that many. Uh, so I think I think if in the men who are having partial erections and, and they take the medication and actually they notice a difference and that, that is clearly beneficial. And the men who are having no erections immediately and are, are just taking it diligently with the hopes of benefiting six to nine months later, um you know, the, the studies would say that, that not that many of them are, are benefiting from it. Right. But it's so devastating. It's worth a try. It's a shame that yeah. um, people cannot afford that medication. Um, you know, if it were me, I'd want to try everything I possibly could. Yeah. No, it's, uh, the, the cost is a big obstacle, too, because uh, their medications are also injections and pumps and that's right. Things and it's all it's all very expensive. It is costly, and and vacuum pumps and the um, the pellets and um, so. But there are there are options. People there are many things people can try, and you know if one doesn't work, something else might work. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to talk about this report also showed that men um, demonstrated anxiety and depression. That was also um, they were reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression after going through this. And there's been a new organization, True North, T-R-U-E-N-T-H. Yeah. Are you are you familiar with that um, organization? I'm a part of it, yes. <laughs> oh, you're so part of it? We're, we're a part of it at the Prostate Center. Oh, of course you are, because this is actually, per, you're partnered with uh, Movember, uh, the Movember yeah. Foundation, right, which I think yeah. is a great organization to... Um, provide quality of life enhancing information and care and support and, and lifestyle advice and uh, how is that going to benefit patients? Yeah, no, they're, they're doing a lot of um, fantastic work and, and the, um, there's a lot of good funding behind it. Um, I think uh, the, you know, specifically the anxiety and depression is something that we do a particularly poor job as, as physicians, as urologists, uh, because it's not something where we really learn how to deal with. And we don't necessarily recognize it, uh, so it's easy to talk about the the technical details of you know PSA and biopsy and surgery uh, and radiation, but um, the uh, depression anxiety part of it almost or often gets lost. So yeah, absolutely, 
exactly have the support structures around to uh, to help with that. That's true. Well, Dr. Black, thank you so much for joining me. Especially, I know I can imagine how jet lagged you are <laughs> coming back from your trip today. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure, always. All right. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate all the great work you do. And uh, um, so, uh, we'll definitely have you back on the air. Anyway, so when I. You're welcome. When I come back, I'm going to be talking about uh, suicide rates and why are they highest for men in their 50s. Not sure why. Are you? I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. We're going to go to an even more serious subject than I was talking about prior to the break, which was prostate cancer, and this is suicide amongst men. And I was interested to see that suicide rates are highest for men in their 50s, and nobody is certain why. In general, men take their own lives at about four times the rate that women do. And this is something else that Movember Foundation is highlighting this month in its campaign around mental health. And if you were listening prior to the break, you heard Dr. Peter Black say that was something that physicians and urologists, or some urologists in particular, aren't that great at, is men after prostate cancer may have anxiety and depression, but since they're not so accustomed, the urologists aren't so accustomed to dealing with that, they don't do a great job around that. And mental health is very challenging, and I think a lot of people have issues uh, around men's health. But why is it that these rates increase, the suicide rates increase for men in Canada and the U.S., except for men over 75 in the U.S.? But it's the, otherwise, it's the highest suicide rates are among men in their 50s. But nobody is really sure why, in part because there hasn't been a lot of research that has been done. Um, and coping skills do, however, seem to fall apart, which is unusual because at this time of life, a man likely has had relationships, perhaps children, has worked. Um, So what is it? I I think partly, and I, I don't know for sure, but just in terms of my clinical practice and speaking to many men and many women, because many women report symptoms that I know are irritable depression in men, anger, irritability, drinking, excessive alcohol, um, smoking pot, otherwise some other type of addiction, gambling addiction, uh, sex addiction. So what is it about the men today as they are into their 30s and their 40s and they're unable to, as they progress, unable to cope with life? I think the challenges of life are much different today, and it requires a high level of executive function. So it requires a high level of organization, information processing, the ability to prioritize, and to try and remain calm during all of that is also very challenging, especially if, you know with testosterone. Um, and also I think that alcohol doesn't agree with a lot of men, and men can drink, and then you may have... Alcohol is a depressant, and a man would have, or a woman, uh, would have symptoms maybe the next day. They may not be as productive as they would be when they're not drinking. Binge drinking is up. A lot of people smoke pot and feel that it's benign. Also, the recession or the economy 
uh, because so much of the male ego is tied to the work that they do and the jobs that they have. And if a man has lost his job, I mean, there's really nothing worse. <laughs> or if a um, man is not happy in his work, it's very difficult and it may be very difficult on the relationship. So this is a subject that I'd like to look into a little bit deeper. Um, and I have a few of these subjects that I'm putting aside. Um, and, and this is one of them. But I also think that men are ashamed to talk about mental health. Men are supposed to be the the guy, you know, the, the strong one. They're supposed to be the supporter. Um, there's pressures, societal pressures are put on men to to bring in the money, these days, a lot of women are working outside of the home, and a lot of women are doing quite well. There's a, a, a research study out of Harvard recently that did show, though, that women are not doing as well. Women in careers are not doing as well because in married couples, the man puts the priority on his job over the women. So that's one reason that women are not progressing or having difficulty in uh, reaching that glass ceiling. Um and so there's, that's another factor that comes into play. And, and I've said in the past that men have to have a really strong ego uh, and really solid. They have to be a solid and confident guy to be okay with the fact that their wife or partner, female partner, earns more money than they do or has a more prestigious job, perhaps. Uh, so that can also be challenging because men can quietly go inward. They not necessarily like women and the fact that women can talk about these issues with their friends and sort through them and we're chatters and we um, want to figure it out. If we have a problem, there's at least one or 17 women we can go to to talk about it. Uh, but men are ashamed to talk about their mental health or that they may be feeling less than someone else. And I find, you know, I hear from a lot of guys, and I have to hear, I have to keep it all quiet. I'd like to set up a group therapy, but they all have very similar issues, and yet they've never told anybody but me because they've come to my clinical practice uh, to talk to somebody about it. But it's, they think that everybody else has the world by the tail. Every other guy has it all going on. You know, there's a lot of false perception out there, a lot of falsity going on, and perception's everything. And just because somebody is a member at a particular club doesn't mean that he isn't over-leveraged or that he's not having financial problems. Or just because somebody has leased an expensive car doesn't mean that they're not able to pay their cell phone bill. So what you see isn't always what you get. And I think we have to live within our means, number one. I actually had a patient one time, and he was going through a separation, Interestingly enough, he and his um, partner, his wife, came to see me. And I did say at the beginning uh, that they may not end up together at the end, and they didn't. But he had a lot of financial problems, as men do and women do, at divorce. And he um, was had wanted to sell his condo. He wasn't sure. Should he keep his lease vehicle, this, that? He was a finance guy. I had him bring in all of his bills. We did a spreadsheet. And, and we figured out, I said, you cannot lease another new car. You need to keep, you need to buy this one out. That made more fiscal sense. But he was so panicked, had so much anxiety, he couldn't even calm down to figure this out. So I think living within one's means is some of the best advice for anybody because that will decrease your uh, ability uh, 
to panic. Anyway, you'll be able to sleep a whole lot better. You'll need fewer candles, as you'll hear in my next uh, subject. But I think that finances and being okay with yourself, having a great relationship with your father, I think the father-son relationship is very important. I think cutting down on alcohol, um, you we have to understand why men in general have the suicide rate about four times higher than women. And alcohol use is a factor. Uh, Alcohol and drugs are a huge issue in the vast majority of suicides. And that's what we need to take a look at is the alcohol consumption and the, the substance abuse. So these are important subjects. And a lot of people don't want to look at their alcohol use. According to the Centers for Disease Control, in tests following completed suicides, about one-third of the people tested positive for alcohol, about a quarter for antidepressants, and about a fifth for opiates, including heroin and prescription painkillers. Heroin is a big problem these days. And these when, this messes with the neurochemistry of your brain. If you're on an antidepressant, the recommendation is you not drink alcohol. Also, exercise is important. That's as good as any 30 minutes of daily walking is as good as any antidepressant for mild to moderate depression. So people who are abusing or using substances like alcohol, drugs, antidepressants, mixing them, opiates, heroin... These substances fuel the fire for people who are already at risk for suicide. So these are this we need to peel back this subject, look at the factors, talk to our partners about this, talk to men, raise the raise the issue. A lot of people stop drinking in January. They know that it's a problem. They don't feel all that well. You're not going to be as successful if you drink excessively, and especially if you drink excessively when you're going through a bad emotional time. So coping skills for men are really important. And you know, to fail is one of life's greatest gifts because you can learn to get yourself up and start all over again and and not make the same mistakes. But there's no simple explanation for suicide. And there's never one reason for suicide. There's generally a multitude of reasons. And generally, it's a depletion thing, or it's um, it's a continuum. It begins as one thing, and then it grows, and then it gets infected, and then it spreads. And it's very difficult to deal with the emotional emotional suffering, because how men cope with emotional suffering is a critical part of this explanation. But more work needs to be done. That's why research is so important. And some of those things like why can men make it through something so terrible in their life at one moment, say in their 30s maybe or 40s, but unable to do that in their 50s. The stress, the life today is so fast-paced, high stress, um, it's multidisciplinary, it requires a mind that Uh, can multitask, yet multitasking decreases productivity. We've got to answer people right away. Well, you don't have to. And you also don't have to give them so much information. A couple of things is delay answering that email. Also, if somebody asks you a question that you're uncomfortable with, just send them an email. I'm curious why you ask. Or if somebody asks you something and you don't want to answer, are they writing a book? 
but being curious can be very helpful. So working on your coping skills, building confidence, building self-esteem, not letting despair and hopelessness build up will help people uh, to improve the quality of their life and work better or work the way they did when they were a bit younger. But really, we really don't know why this there's such a drastic increase in suicides in men in their 50s. When I come back, I'm going to be talking about how candlelight may help improve your sex life. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I try and help you improve your sex life if you want to have sex. If you don't want to have sex, there's no problem. (laughs) And I won't help you. Uh, But other things that I talk about that are related to sex might help you. So you can always call me with any health question you have. It doesn't have to be related to sex. But you can also call me if you want to win a set of tickets to the Vancouver Hot Flash in the City, where Linda Steele is going to be. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. We're going to have wine there and networking. It'll be a great networking night. Not, lots of sponsors. So this time of life, menopause, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, there's lots of issues that can occur. Hot flashes, night sweats, bladder health issues, painful sex, low libido. So I've brought in all of the solutions. Um, the, the, the solutions people are going to be there. I'm going to be speaking about it. And Dr. Anjali Malhotra will be speaking as well. But prior to that, we have a cocktail party, and uh, there's going to be lots of uh, solutions there for all of your little troubles in life. And men are welcome, too, of course. So um, give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you want to win the tickets. So sleep is a huge issue um, for people, and so many people don't sleep well. And... But sleeping is the—it's the key to a happy life. I am convinced, and sleeping also helps you to lose weight and sleep better. And therefore, if you lose weight and you feel trimmer and thinner and you have more energy, then you can have more sex and better sex. And you're in a better mood and you want to have sex. And you're not going to yell at anybody, and they're going to want to have sex with you anyway. <laughs> but I'm going to interrupt this <laughs> sex talk. For, to talk to Julie, who would like some tickets to the Vancouver show. Hey, Julie. Hey, Maureen. How are you? Well, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. I have a friend who's a nurse practitioner, and I'm sure she could benefit from some of the knowledge you're going to give us. So oh, thank I, you. We'd so, love to come. Thank you so much. That's so great. You know what? Yeah. Um, I, I, you remind me, because this is an important event for healthcare practitioners. Absolutely. Yes, so that's great. And so physicians, nurse practitioners, nurses, there's a lot of nurses that are coming. Um, yeah, so that's great, Julie. So if you want to just email me, sextalk at cknw.com, and I'll sign you up. You'll get an email. That'd be great. Wonderful. Well, thank okay. you so much. Thank I, you. I look forward to meeting you. Absolutely. Me too. All right, great. Bye Take bye. care. Bye now. So we're talking about sleep. you got to sleep. But a big factor behind achieving quality sleep is a solid and stable circadian rhythm. And that, a hundred years ago, it would have been difficult to have sleeping issues or a disrupted circadian rhythm, which is basically night and day, because the light sources past sunset were restricted. Well, now we have computers and television sets and iPhones and uh, everything, and all of that light is actually going to impact your ability to sleep well. And I'm not going to be able to go in. I love this uh, subject, and I hope you do, but I'm not going to be able to get into it so deeply as much as I would like to. 
because we don't have that much time left in the show. But the disruption of the circadian rhythm coordination not only leads to perpetual jet lag, and people wake up, they feel tired, they have to take naps in the afternoon, but it also leads to higher rates of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, obesity, insulin resistance, which will lead to diabetes, and leptin resistance. So these circadian rhythms are also linked to memory and learning inhibition. So, you know, when when you're a space shot or you have a foggy mind, and that can be very common at perimenopause, um, you know, you want to you want to look at your sleep, and you want to go to bed at the same time. You don't want to have your any lights on in your room. You don't need to sleep with your iPhone. I want to point out something else. Drinking coffee at night affects sleep. No surprises there. But also, the something has been largely overlooked, and it delays sleep by about forty-five minutes. But they, the, the study that was done, sorry, I'm rushing because we don't have that much time, um, looked at light. And bright light delayed one circadian rhythm more than that of a double espresso. In fact, twice as much. So bright light alone induced the circadian phase delays, meaning that the people did not fall asleep as quickly. In fact, their ability to fall asleep was delayed by 85 minutes. If you have a cup of coffee in the evening, it's going to delay your ability to sleep by 45 minutes. So that is quite a difference. So we're giving so much credit to coffee when we really should be giving credit to light. It's also important, I know it's really difficult these days, but it's also important to get out and get some sunlight in the morning. So if there's ever a sunny day in the morning, get out and do that because that will help to set reset your circadian rhythm. Anyway, I'm going to have to go to break now, and maybe we can continue this subject next week because this is going to be a subject that affects people all through this winter, a lot of people who are affected by the rain. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you just how many people you've had sex with. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. She's a lady. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath, and uh, like all great sex, the show is coming to an end. Uh, But uh, not before I tell you about sex degrees of separation. You've heard of six degrees of separation, not Kevin Bacon. This is Maureen McGrath telling you about sex degrees of separation. Sexually transmitted infections are on the rise. I really don't like to press the panic button around sex. I like to make it pleasurable for people. However, we do have to discuss these issues. Many of the infections of Uh, Many of the STI infections are symptomless. So there is one online pharmacy that decided to raise awareness about the worrying truth by illustrating the exponential effect of sexual contact. And so their sex degrees calculator is based on the theory of six degrees of separation that we're all closely tied together, um, connected to each other by six connections. Um, so using this principle, they took the number of partners you've had and what age they were when you last slept together and multiplied the number of partners they are statistically likely to have had by the number of partners of those partners and the partners of those partners and so on and so on. And so basically, if you've had sex with about, you know, like three or four people in your 20s and maybe one or two in your 30s and one in your 40s, you're looking at two million people. <laughs> the numbers are astronomical so they they do there is some madness or method behind their madness and they are also interested i'm always skeptical about people who want to educate you and then sell you something but um i they do want to sell sti kits and those are going online and those are so people can have convenient 
and discreet service um, for STI home testing kits. So that's the uh, purpose behind it. But it is it is a good little tool to raise awareness about uh, STI risk of chlamydia, genital herpes, genital warts, uh, and so on. So it doesn't cover all of the STIs, but a large part of them. Anyway... That's the show for tonight. I do have some work ahead of me where I have not forgotten about the subject I promised you, but I'm still doing some research about breast cancer and as it relates to previous therapeutic abortion. And also we'll, we'll continue that sleep uh, subject as well because I think that's really important. And uh, my goal ultimately is that you all just feel great about yourselves and have a great sex life <laughs> and enjoy life because what's the alternative really? Why not? Um, So Hot Flash in the City, hope to see you there at either West Vancouver on on Tuesday, November 17th, or Wednesday night out in Coquitlam at the Evergreen Culture Center, or Scotia Theatre on Thursday, November 19th. Tickets on eventbrite.ca, search Hot Flash in the City. Believe me, it's going to be so much fun. You're going to laugh, you're going to learn, you're going to love just that much better. You'll be so glad you came. And we've, I've done this before, and uh, it was a hugely successful night. People had great feedback, and we're really happy about it because we don't talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. And people have, they're very confused about estrogen, and they're often given prescriptions, and they don't use them because out of fear. And so we're going to clarify all of that for you, and it's actually going to be a really fun cocktail party beforehand, and lots of people who have great solutions for all of the issues. So Hot Flash in the City, it's on eventbrite.ca, and uh, (laughs) I'll be in rare form, believe me. (laughs) I'll be in rare form on Thursday night at uh, 9.30. Anyway, so hope to see you there, and uh, remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I say that every week, and I assume you know what I'm talking about, but you know what? We all fall, we all fail, we all make mistakes, and if you can learn from them, You can apply that, and it's not to say you're not going to make the same mistake again or the same thing isn't going to happen, but you're going to maybe build up a little toolbox, a little tool chest that you can have some strategies to deal with other things that come along the way because, believe me, nobody goes unscathed in this life. Anyway, you can go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter, at back2thebedroom. I am Maureen McGrath. Until next week, have a sexually healthy week.